Welcome back, podcast friends. This is Fran of First Online with Fran. There's no place like art. And today, my guest is a friend who I got to work with back in 2016, Isa Fatima. She has this one-woman show called Dirty Packy Lingerie, and it's a ray of Muslim women from the age of nine years old to 65 years old. I can't wait for you to hear her story about how this project started and where she is today. Hello, Isa. Welcome to First Online with Fran. It's so good to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So what is going on with Dirty Packy Laundry? What is that about? <laughs> what is that about? That's a great question. So it's this one-woman show. I have been doing it for nine years. I started performing in 2011. It's been to many places around the world, and I do it pretty frequently in the U.S. as well, across college campuses. And, of course, it's been in New York City. We've had a few runs here. It's about the Muslim American female identity, where I play uh, six different female characters that range in age from a six-year-old little girl to a 65-year-old woman. Wow. What do each of the characters, what do each of the women have in common, and what is the story that you want to tell? Hmm. I guess with this piece, this, the story I wanted to tell was just put Muslim American women on a stage, which is something we never really get to see, you know, on our stages in America, especially. And uh, it's just about the struggles that these women and this young girl, they're kind of going through. They're really just every woman's struggles all over the world, I think, whether it's about family, love, dealing with a parent, figuring out your life, what school you're going to go to, all of that stuff. Yeah. Can you do one of the characters? Oh, can I do one of the characters? Oh, geez. Well, which character would I do? Well, I don't know. I have People always ask me which one is my favorite. It's so hard for me, but I, I like all of them. <laughs> So, but I do, I, I feel like one of the characters that is uh, very dear to my heart is uh, actually this uh, 21-year-old girl who covers her hair, and she, that's her activism, and she's very American, and she talks very much, she's like, O-M-G, you know, she's very much like this kind of character, and so I, I kind of love putting her on stage, because to me, that is what America looks like, right? It's not just one thing that we think it looks like. It can be a hijabi 21-year-old who talks like that, who's trying to figure out her college and love life and all of that, and and she covers her hair as part of her activism. And what do you want people to understand about this young woman? Well, that I guess at the end of the day that you can be Muslim and American and that this hyphenated identity is a very much a real thing, right? Absolutely. Which, you know, which is really something that is what America is. And somehow we forget that when it comes to Muslims in America right now, in this moment. We sometimes forget that there there was a time when a lot of Italians came to America for the first time. And a lot of Irish came. And, you know, Jewish people came. Uh, Japanese, whatever. So I feel like Muslims in America are maybe the newest wave of immigrants. And so they're going through certain trials and tribulations right now that I hope will pass someday. It's, 
really interesting. I've been doing this show for nine years, and every year I, I feel like the last few years, I'm like, gosh, I, I hope that one day this show becomes an obsolete thing and that people don't want to see it anymore because it's just being a Muslim American is just the norm and nobody needs to be entertained or educated about what this community looks like and is going through in the moment. But that hasn't happened yet, and it's been a while. So I'm waiting for that day when that happens. And in the meantime, I'm curious to know whether any of these characters are a blend of your own family experiences. Yeah, sure. I think there's moments that you're always writing from your own experiences. There's definitely like chopped and certain names in the play that are from my own life, like people I knew from childhood, like best friends or growing up or yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's lots of little bits from my own life. So, for example, you know, that the mom on the phone, the 65-year-old woman who's trying to set up her daughter on an arranged marriage, that it was a, so we used to get, I grew up in Mississippi, and uh, we used to get this newspaper delivered to us called the Urdu Times. And, and there, there's many of these. There was another one called the Pakistan Link, I remember, which is actually, so these newspapers are all made here. The Urdu Times is made in New York, and the Pakistan Link is made, I think, in California. We used to get them, and on the back of these newspapers would be these ridiculous ads that I like, grew up reading and making fun of with my older sister, and ridiculous ads, like like a like divorced man, seeking woman, must be tall, skinny, very pretty, fair skin, you know, no issues, please. And it was just a really bizarre, <laughs> so we just make a lot. <laughs> yes, ridiculous. I'm like, what does this mean? No issues, please. Like, I don't. What does all of it mean? You know, this obsession with the thinness, the tallness, the fairness of the skin, the complexion, which of course comes from colonial times. It's interesting. Like that little bit is also in the play, right? So I mean, I kind of took that from my own life of just like growing up and reading these ads, and I was like, this is so ridiculous. And I was like, what does it look like when a woman is now trying to set up her daughter who is too old, not skinny enough, not pretty enough, not fair skin enough? You know, all of these, and she's too old because she's poor thing is like 34, and that's considered too old in this culture to be married. What does what does this look like? So that character is sort of a, a combination of a lot of people I've known in my life, like my mom's friends or people I've encountered just in my own life from within the culture, of course. And those experiences of reading that newspaper and seeing those silly ads at the back of it for like my whole childhood, I have to put this in a play somewhere. And how did you fit in your family? Well, so I am actually one of nine kids and uh, I'm one of ten. Oh, you have to, I knew this. I knew that you had a lot in it, but I forgot it was ten. You win. You beat me. Yes, friend. There you go. Italians. <laughs> Italians, right? And then uh, Muslims, Italians, Catholics, all the same, all the same. So in Mississippi, where I grew up, it's a small college town, and there was a Mormon family with nine kids. There was Catholic family with nine kids, and then us, the Muslim family with nine kids, and we were all on the same ages, and all everybody knew everybody, and we'd just like you know joke about how we're all like the you know these religious Mormons, Catholics, and Muslims have these huge families. It goes back to what you were saying. To uh, I mean, we'll get back to your family thing, but it just shows how cultures intersect each other. It doesn't make any difference what your cultural background is because we're all family. We're all human, and that is what we celebrate and, and celebrate in each other and what your your show is doing. But, but go back to your growing up. I'm, I'm interested in how your experience compared to mine. Ah, yeah, well, so it's just 
was a little conservative, not just my family, but just the place where I grew up, too. Well, first, I was born in Saudi Arabia. When I was younger, we moved to Mississippi. But so Saudi Arabia is very conservative in a lot of ways, right? And they're making some strides now, my goodness, in 2020. I think women are finally allowed to drive. But really? <laughs> yeah, they are allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia. The women are. Yeah, finally. But not like this year. This year. I think it's just happened this year a lot, late last year. Yeah, so coming from kind of that kind of a conservative country to Mississippi, another conservative country, <laughs> you I know, like it that. is a country all on its own. It really is that like is, a whole that other is. land. You know, it's interesting. It's like the Bible Belt, and it is very conservative in those ways. So it was kind of like a experience where we fit in. We're all kind of like on the same page, I think. Yeah, but, you know, it just, uh, it's been a huge learning curve for me in a lot of ways, like then moving to New York and being exposed to so many different cultures and so many different languages and foods and all of that stuff has been like a huge learning experience for sure. But like I got to New York and I was like, oh, got it. This is where I belong. Not in that other place where I've lived all these years. So my family, they had no idea what to do with this actress defying traditional Catholic upbringing, break all the rules. <laughs> rebel. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. My mother and father had no idea what to do with me. But I grew up on Long Island. Mm -hmm. But Mississippi? What did your parents do when you went from Mississippi to New York? How did that work out? Well, it worked out okay. Remember, I'm one of nine, so I have lots of older siblings. I'm I'm the seventh of nine kids. And so I had an older sister who was in town already. She had moved to New York City before I did. She's my older sister, seven years older than me, and I have a bunch of brothers. So I have six, six boys. So five of them are older than me, and then I have an older sister and then me. So she had kind of broken a lot of ground. I think she did. You know, that's what happens, right? With the older siblings, they do all the groundwork. And then by the time the parents get to the younger ones, they're so tired. They're like, do whatever you want. <laughs> I was number seven, too, out of ten. So there we go. Ooh. I don't know, maybe it's a number. But I had six older sisters. And they uh-huh. all obeyed. They mm. they got they, you know, they had a nice job. You know, one was a nurse. Another was in banking. Another was a hairdresser. Uh-huh. All traditional, and you know, got married 18, 19, 20 years old, and and then I came along. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, friend. You know, so I, I, well, I think that is what it was. So I knew that I wasn't going to be allowed to pursue a, an acting theater degree of any right. kind. That was a very clear conversation we had very clear. My parents were like, hell no. Uh, when I was like 13. Yeah, I was really into it. And, you know, I was doing like uh, high school stuff and all of a sudden like winning little, little, little awards and regional competitions for acting and all this. So my parents were like, nope, uh, let's put the end to all of this because you're going to do something reasonable. And I did. I did something very reasonable. I actually studied microbiology. And then I actually came to New York for an internship in computers at the time because that was the thing to do in the 2000s right and because I ended up here my brother at the time he kind of he was just like oh you know IT is a really cool thing like you should think about going to school for it so I did I came here I was working full-time at that time and then I was going to my school for a master's degree in computer science and so I was doing the practical thing for a long time when I finished that I actually got a real job at Google in tech what did your father say I love that expression Oh, my daughter. 
Like, yeah, he was he was so proud. You know, I was I, I I joke about this, but it's also true. Like at parties, he would introduce me, and like he'd be like, "This is my daughter. She works at the Google, and those are the rest of my children." Like, you know, that don't matter at all. So yes. yeah, yes. and and she's also on the book. What what else was what was his expression? Oh, and the no, I don't remember now. Did I tell you the story before? I don't know what you're referring to. I'm like drawing a blank here. It what was on the um, it was on the show that you did Sunday. Yes, my daughter is Google, and she's on the book, like Facebook. Oh, the book face. Yeah. Oh, the because oh, of stand up thing. Yes. Well, no, no. Well, he. Well, so I didn't tell him. This is the story. The truth is of the whole thing is I actually didn't tell my. So because I was doing the real job thing and I was in New York and I was already older and independent and on my own in my twenties, right? I didn't tell them. I started kind of pursuing acting on the side, right? And and so he found out. My dad found out and he calls me up and he's on the phone. And at this point, I'd been performing for a whole year because this was in. 2011 and 2012 must have been so they started performing dirty packing lingerie in 2011 so i think about a year later he calls me up and he was like he goes isa you do the lingerie and i was like i didn't know what he was saying i was like what and he's like the lingerie the lingerie you do the lingerie and I'm like, oh my god i was like how do you even know about that and yes 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 that's that's when he died realized thanks to um facebook my dad knew that i was doing dirty packing lingerie <laughs> yeah, and, and it was I'm good. Trying, it was good. I'm trying to hold my my laughing at the lingerie. The lingerie. <laughs> my mother was famous. What is it about mothers and fathers? They mispronounce words. They mispronounce. You get to a certain age and you just don't say words, right? What, what happens to the brain? I mean, I don't is, know. Is this what's in store for me? Is my son going to be making fun of me? Yeah, I can overlook it with my, they're immigrants and English isn't their first language. That's okay. Yeah, my dad's just a character. But yeah, it was, it was a tough thing, but I think because I kind of did the right things in the beginning and I went to school and got, got the real job that they were so proud of, they've been pretty great. Like they were okay with it. Because I think the thing is for immigrant parents, they're so scared. Like they come from this place and they're trying to make it in a foreign country. They don't know. And they work so hard. And, and yeah. they just want their kids to be taken care of. And they don't know what a career in the arts. It is very uncertain. Look at us now, right? It's like I know. all of my work, it just disappeared over in, in one day. All my gigs were canceled through like September. For the next six months, back in March, right? So I see, like, the concern, of course. But then there's this other thing, right? It's, and, Fran, I'm sure you kind of relate to this. Like, when you're on this creative path, you realize you're like, oh, okay, well, this is the thing I'm supposed to do with my life. I get it now because I felt out of place all these years doing all this other stuff I was trying to do, right? Yes, I so, I so relate to that and why we're friends. I mean, I did the right thing. But when it finally came time, when I lost my job, and I auditioned, mm. oh, my God, this is what I'm supposed to do. And right. my family celebrates that, as your family does. I'm interested in doing a one-woman show. What is it about that particular genre that makes it speak for you? I mean, I think it's really exciting in so many ways. Well, from a practical perspective of just getting it produced, right? But then... I feel like there's something exciting about being in a room full of 
people and them being your partner in the scene and you're playing off of their energy as a performer, I think in a solo show, that is really a real thing, right? Because that is it. It is you and them and you're alone on that stage. So that is exciting. And um, I guess also for me, I kind of fell into it. It wasn't something I planned on doing. So I I did a two-year conservatory at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And when I graduated, I was still working at Google. And I was like, let me just for fun audition on the side, see how it goes. And I started doing that, but there weren't really any roles for someone who looks like me, right? It's a struggle. And I really, I mean, this has changed slightly now, but I really remember like seeing these breakdowns for for characters of gorgeous leggy blonde and I'm like oh geez well I'm not a gorgeous leggy blonde that is not happening over here for me so what do I do where do I fit in and um I took a writing class and that kind of led me to develop these characters but how lucky I I feel so lucky all these years later it's based on real people from a community that means a lot to me and I get to share their stories with the world I get to put these women on stage all over every place for such diverse audiences. And I feel like that's a gift. That's a gift that this show gives me, honestly, as just not just an actor, but just as a human. It, it allows me to connect with people, people from all over the world to see themselves in these Muslim American Pakistani women. And I feel like, wow, what a gift. I think that's so remarkable. And it is what we do. It is what we believe in. It is our passion as artists. I'm curious how the show plays in foreign countries. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it is slightly different, but I have to say it's like that woman who's the 65-year-old mom who's a little pushy, a little bossy. She's trying to set up her daughter on that arranged marriage situation with the ads in the newspaper. That is everyone's favorite. For some reason, I remember I was in Scotland, and this woman walked up to, walked up to me, and she goes, you know, that Mrs. Shaw character really reminds me of my Scottish father. <laughs> I, just, I was like, what? <laughs> it's so interesting to me how the characters resonate in so many different places and and yes and of course and I think different parts of the experience resonates with different people for example I feel like the like that little the, the 21 year old character is the college age student trying to figure out does she go to Harvard or does she maybe get married to this guy who's maybe not right for her is her kind of a character arc that character is really interesting to me that she also resonates a lot across college campuses with women of all ethnicities is what I've, it's really interesting because I don't know, I guess the, the struggle, the women's, the female struggle is real, man. I mean, boyfriends are still possessive and people are still trying to figure out how to live their life. Like women, women are still trying to figure out what do they prioritize family over career? I, I guess those struggles are really real for everyone still. When you started this show nine years ago, we were a totally different country. We were in a totally different world than where we are today. I'm curious to know how and if that has influenced not only the characters in your show, but also how it has educated and offered new perspectives to people from then to now. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really interesting. When I first started doing it, even in 2011, I think a lot of times people were just like, 
we don't really know where this fits and we don't really know what to do with it. Even programmers. You know, I remember I was in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Fringe and the show did really well. I remember all these people, they would come, big bookers would come and see it and then they'd be like, well, this this isn't stand-up. We thought it was going to be stand-up, but it isn't that. And it is a play, but like, we don't really know where to program you or how to program you. And it was so interesting a few years later, in like 2014 maybe, that conversation completely changed. And in fact, in the UK, I had a 15-city tour in 2016. Right. And in 2011, people were like, we don't know where to program you. And then in 2016, the same people were like, yes, please bring this show and let's let's give you the stage. And, let, and I think I got nominated for a huge award in a Manchester Theatre Award or whatever. But, you know, and it completely I didn't even know it was a possibility that I could get nominated. But yeah, the conversation has changed a lot. And I think politically, we're in a very different place. And and sometimes I think we thought it was bad under uh, George Bush. But it's like gotten so much worse under Trump, right? And I think people are more aware and more ready to to be activated, you know, and, and do something about what's going on in the world. So I think that's also been kind of a gift and a great thing. Absolutely. And I'm wondering if a person came up to you and said, I never knew that kind of conversation. Oh, yeah, sure. So many times. Well, when I first started doing it, there was a lot of Muslim women coming up to me and saying, thank you for showing us ourselves on a stage. We've never seen that. I mean, women in tears and women in hijab and women without hijabs. And I remember I performed at uh, in Chicago at uh, the, it's called the Islamic Society of North America. It's, my, it's the largest um, convention that happens in North America, I believe. I remember performing a little excerpt there as part of a panel, and this woman came up to me afterwards, and she's like, she was crying, and it was so emotional. And she was just like, you know, I'm a physician, and I don't feel validated in my own culture because I'm not married, and I'm in my 30s. And thank you for showing me that I'm not the problem, that the way we handle it within our culture is the problem. That gets me a little bit, for sure. Has there been people who did not know this about that Muslim oh, women. Absolutely. I mean, and then there's the other side, not from within the culture, but from outside of it. Absolutely. Listen, I was in what is it, Hudson, New York. It's, what is it? Two hours outside of New York City? I was performing in Hudson, New York, and I had women, men, come up to me and literally, and they were in their 60s and 70s, and they were like, we've never met a Muslim before. And this is just two hours up, and they were like, thank you, that was really lovely, and we learned a lot. So, yeah, it, it happens everywhere. That happens all the time. What else do you think is important about this show and about the work that you are doing and the work of other women who have similar causes? I didn't realize this at the time, you know, but I, I didn't realize that it was important for us when I first started doing this, that it's just as important for the Muslim American community to have conversations amongst themselves about issues of religion versus culture, sexuality, identity, family, politics, you know, marriage, all of these issues that the play touches with, with each one of the characters or bullying, racial profiling. Those are also issues the show touches on. It's just as important for us to have these conversations within the community as it is for us to have those conversations outside of the Muslim community, actually. Because 
there's the, the little girl character that I play that's solely based on this uh, research I did uh, based on a guy. Many men were taken away post 9-11, right? Muslim men and sometimes non-Muslim men as a case of mistaken identity. So that little girl's uh, character is based on this girl whose father was taken away for a year just because his name was Muhammad, something or another. Mistaken identity. His family didn't know where he was. Their properties, like their business was confiscated, and I think they were on a green card at the green card and not full American citizen. Yeah, and while that character, the little girl is talking about how much she loves Dora and she doesn't want to share Dora with her sister, but then in the backdrop is this whole thing of the missing dad for a whole year and the single woman who's taking care of these children all on her own without any actual income of any sort because their business was confiscated. And when I do that and talk about that sometimes after uh, patterns, I think even now people don't know that in America, this happened, that the government took men away, locked them up, sometimes deported them, sometimes did worse. It happened right here in New York. I think that that is definitely an eye-opening moment for a lot. It's interesting, like, we knew that within the community back in 2000, you know, in the early 2000s, when because it just started happening post-9-11. We knew it, but I think it was not the larger audience public didn't know it. Yes, and that's all that we can do. Those are some of our biggest fears. I'd like to close our little talk today about some of your biggest hopes about your project and future projects and your vision for your artistic work. Hmm. Whether I want to or not, I think anything I do becomes political by just virtue of who I am. I'm a woman, I'm a woman of color, I'm Muslim, you know, all of those things. So, yeah, I think, I, I guess the hope is to just keep making work that is specific about the Muslim American female experience in particularly and what that looks like in, in the West and the U.S. specifically, but also largely in the West but also have that work resonate with the larger masses and allowing them. I think the most gratifying thing for me is when someone who is so like a Scottish man can see himself in this Muslim American woman who's 65 and, and that covers her hair, you know, I think, yes. I'm like, okay, I think I, there's something good today if I can make that happen. And I wish you continued success and to make this and even more things happen despite the coronavirus and the <laughs> self-quarantine, what are you doing to get yourself out there? Yeah, it's well, it's been a few things. So we've been, there's, there's been a few, I've done a couple of readings online, which have been really, the last one I did was like 300 people showed up online and attended it. So that was really lovely. There were just 10 minute plays. I just did a, a stand-up show, which that's how you and I just connected a few days ago again. So I guess there is still some virtual stuff to be done. And actually, I'm writing a lot. And I'm also shifting my focus into TV writing because I feel like TV and film as well, because I feel like that's part of the re another way to reach the masses, not just theater. Yes, you might get 200 people in there, but, you know, make a film, make a TV show, and you'll get hundreds of thousands of people to watch it. So just to get the message out to the masses and kind of thinking about how to do that as well. That sounds so exciting. I wish you mm -hmm. all the very best of success. Thank you so much for spending time with me and with my audience. Love you, Isa.
Thank you. Love you too. Thank you so much for having me on, friend. This is really great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. That's Isa. She is a one-woman show, both live and on the stage, and I can't wait to see what she's doing next. I know she is working on developing that new comedy, a TV pilot called Muslim Girls GTF, Discuss Their Faith, and it's going to be based on a web series of the same name. So I can't wait to see that. And I'm just so glad that she had a chance to catch up with me, and I can't wait to see where this new show and these new projects are going to um, evolve. So there we go. Stay tuned. There's more to come. Find out more about what Fran is up to. Go to her website at firstonlinewithfran.com. This program was produced by March Hair Media and recorded at We Chief Studio Productions. <laughs>